Welcome back to the Locks Talks podcast. Today we have episode two with a special guest, someone very, very close to me, Jeremiah Sears. Jeremiah is and has been for a quite some time the pastor at the Westside Church in Seattle, Washington. I'm happy to bring him on today. Uh, we bring up a lot of interesting points uh, regarding Christianity, questions that a lot of people might have, um, questions that I had, and I think this will be probably one of the most interesting podcasts I will have. So sit back, enjoy the show. Thank you for all the support that I've gotten over the last few days. Uh, more episodes to come, but without further ado, here is the episode two of Locks Talks with Jeremiah Sears. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Do you get people, you know, obviously after church you get in the prayer groups, you know, after the service is over and you have people pray, pray for each other. Do you get people asking you to pray for them more than you do people asking the kind of questions that I ask you? You don't get people at the church, hey, can you explain why this happens in the Bible or what this means? Am I like the only person that bombards you with crazy questions like that? You're not the only person, but I, I would say that, um, I would say as far as uh, my role as a pastor, that I appreciate those these kind of conversations more than I do. Well, I, you know, I, it's it's an important thing to minister to people, to pray for people or whatever, but people are much more attuned to what their personal needs are. And so there's a lot more people that are asking for prayer and, and things like that and just practical advice and a lot less people who are asking theological questions about life. Yeah. Um, but I personally, you know, I enjoy this kind of a conversation much more just because, you know, I think it's, I think it's important to dig deep into these issues. I certainly did when I was your age, you know, I was yeah. all about it. I mean, I just wanted to know everything. I wanted to know why I believe what I believe. I wanted to know the scriptures in and out. And I, you know, I wanted to understand, you know, just a, a framework for my faith. And so, you know, I, I got way into it. And so I'm kind of a geek that way. And, yeah. and there's, there's people that are wired like me and Some I love having are. conversations. Yeah, why not? Yeah. And that, that's exactly why, I mean, I, okay. I asked you like the last three times about heaven and hell. So that's, I guess where I kind of wanted to digress to. Um, and it's, it's questions because it's like the most interesting thing is I feel like it's among people. A lot of people, would you ask if you went on the street and asked people like, what happens when you die? They'd, I mean, I feel like a majority wouldn't say you either go to heaven or hell or there's some other afterlife, kind of one of those. I feel like that's a typical thing. But I mean, we've talked about like if you were to die, like physically, like you die, um, old age, murdered, whatever, you don't go straight to heaven. You don't go straight to hell. You go to Sheol or, I mean, is there, isn't there, um, what would say that name for? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think if you, um, if you, well, there's, there's a lot of people that believe different things, you know, that's a, heaven and hell is really tricky. It really is, you know, just to start off the conversation, it's, it's tricky because, well, you know, nobody's, nobody's really been there and been back except yeah. for Jesus. And so, you know, we don't really, we don't really have, you know, the pertinent information, but, um, you know, so there's beliefs, you know, there's ideas out there and, and they come from places in scripture. And so, you know, one of the Jewish beliefs was, you know, in this, I guess you could call it like a holding tank, like Sheol and they called it Sheol, referred to it as Sheol. And so, um, there was, there was this belief that, you know, that's where the, the righteous departed went and that's where those who were awaiting judgment went. Um, but there was a division in this place where people 
uh, the righteous departed, uh, were in one place. You know, they, we call it Abraham's bosom or something yeah. like that, which is kind of a funny word to describe it. And then there was this this other place uh, that was uh, the place of torment. And so um, I think you and I were talking about that parable yeah. that Jesus. But that was Jesus just a parable. Gave. Right. It's just a parable. So that, you know, that's tough, right? Yeah. To, you know, concrete evidence for it. But I think that the parable speaks to at least what the Jews believed about it, you know, because Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience and he's explaining to them something that they would be familiar with. So they were familiar with this tradition of this is the way it works. You know, this right. is where these people go. This is where these people go. And and so, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting um, I don't I don't know how much you know credence we give to it, but uh, it's an interesting thought. But then you know there are a lot of Christians who believe that after Jesus died on the cross, uh, that he went down into Sheol and brought out the the people waiting there. Why would um, they think that? Well, there's a passage in Peter that talks about Jesus uh, going down to the depths of of you know wherever this place is and leading the prisoners out. Um, of, of this place where they had been held in solitary. So. so before Jesus came back, if you were to die, you'd go to essentially like you call it a waiting room. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the way that the people look at it now. Um, Still. Well, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I think that that's the confusing part. That's where there's differences of opinion. Uh, honestly, I, for me, like personally, I just kind of, um, I like to know all the different ideas out there. Yeah. I don't know if I've picked a side. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> definitely not for me. It's just it's just interesting to hear because yeah, it's interesting to for hear for a long the time, ideas. even before what like a month ago or something, a few weeks ago, I thought that you know, and like someone really you know good, God loving would die and go to heaven, and someone evil or wicked or something would most likely go to hell. I'm not one to judge. I'm not one to say this person is definitely going to hell, right? Because you know, God knows, only God knows, but. You know, that was kind of my perception is that like good people, Christian people, um, uh, Mormon people, people like believe in God um, would go to heaven. And, and that's for different beliefs, too. Like other other beliefs would believe they'd go to a you know, different heaven or different like an afterlife. Um, but my essential belief was, you know, good people that believed in and had faith in God would go to heaven. But knowing that there is or at least is or was a waiting room confuses me. Um, the re- that's the reason I ask it is because uh, it's like if God says throughout the Bible, like you get eternal life, you know, if you believe in or whatever, I don't know the exact, but I know eternal life is a huge part of it. Um, you die and you go just sit in a waiting room with all these other people. I mean, I guess it's not like, you know, a waiting room, a hospital. I don't know what it is. We just twiddle our thumbs for a few thousand years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, like you said, the people, let's take a people that died thousands of years ago. Have they been sitting in a room for thousands of years i mean do they get to talk to other people are they are they hungry i mean i don't know <laughs> all these questions about it it's it's interesting to yeah I mean, I, you know i think that i think the other tricky thing about uh, eternity for instance you know i mean what you know what's what what is people's experience with time in a place like that you know i mean there's that passage in uh, in uh, i think is it job I, i'm trying to think of the particular place but you know maybe it's a psalm um, that uh, for the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day, right? And for so the Lord? You, yeah, for, for God. And so, you know, you get this this sense that God is outside time. And so these places of, of these eternal places 
maybe have a different experience right. of time, right? You yeah. get into the metaphysics of that, and it's, you know, it's kind of silly to even think exactly about it, but I think it is enough to just kind of say, you know, perhaps it's not accurate to say they're sitting around twiddling their thumbs waiting for yeah. maybe you know, to, waiting like, for history yeah. to end so that we can start well, getting our party maybe on. Maybe they feel heaven. like it's like like only a few minutes. Maybe. Like, exactly. I mean, you've seen movies that do that. And I, I would I would assume I don't think God would say you're gonna sit here for a couple thousand years. I mean I can't even imagine that. So yeah. I mean and with so you say to the Lord what oh, a day is a thousand years? Is that what you said? Well, yeah, that's the that's the passage, and again, it's it, I think I believe it's regardless of if it's in Job or, or Psalm, it's uh, Psalms, it's a it's a poetic term, you know, and so you know it's it's you know it also says that you know he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, you know, right. trying to give us an idea of just the vast, the vast majority you know, inexhaustible yeah. wealth that God has, you know, and so it's I think it's just a concept of you know living outside of time. He's eternal, right? So, you know, I mean, that just blows our minds. It's crazy. No beginning. Nope. No end. That's the one thing that no matter what I ask you, that's the one thing I'll never understand. And I mean, I think it's part of having faith is giving us this, these questions that we, nobody can really answer. Like, where did God come from? That's the type of stuff that I'm like, where's the beginning start? Like, how did, you know, you know, that's the type of stuff that I need. And, you know, that's interesting because there's, you know, I think that's where faith really, um, you know, has the best shot at addressing anything, you know, because you look at, uh, you look at like Big Bang or you look at, you know, the origin of the world. Well, where did it come from? Where did the Big yeah. Bang come from? Science can't answer that question. Exactly. You know, nobody can answer that question, you know, and so at the end of the day, and you know, what's the difference between not being able to answer that question and not being able to answer the question of where did God come from? No, I know. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of like we're all just crawling around in the dark trying to figure yeah, it out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So so just like a quick bounce back because I actually just thought I think it popped up in my head. If if it wasn't just um kind of a way of saying it, the thousand years, thousand sheep or cattle or whatever, do you think the earth was actually made in seven days? Or do you think it might have been thousands of years? Oh man, the controversial questions. I think uh I you know here's where I'm at with it. I think God certainly could have made the world in seven days. He's God, you know. No, yeah. Um, but I don't think that I don't think that's the way it happened. I would. You know? I, I didn't think either. I mean, I didn't know exactly. I wouldn't say it probably happened in mm-hmm. you know, a couple hundred years. But that that the reason I asked that is because I was thinking, wait, like, seven days. Maybe that was like a way of you know him. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm just when you mentioned the thousand years a day, it's it was like maybe. It did take a long time for everything. To I'm form. pretty convinced. I'm pretty convinced by the science that describes our world as being millions of years old. You know, and yeah. and I just don't. I don't think that. You know, when you read the when you read the creation story, the way that it progresses is the way that you would think it would. You know, even from you know evolutionary biology that describes you know how uh, how life formed on the earth you know it begins in the sea right and then birds and then you know land animals i don't believe that what that that it formed from the sea because it says in genesis that you know he made what adam out of dust and then eve out of his rib and no no yeah but i'm saying uh what i'm saying is that uh, that animal life uh was created first in the sea Right, oh, and so oh, okay. I thought you meant humans. I was no, like, no, 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 no. 
Yeah. So, you know, what I'm saying is that that's the progression that evolution describes is these animals are formed in the sea. They, uh, they make their way to land amphibians, whatnot, and then, you know, form different land animals, birds, all these kinds of things develop. And, and so, you know, for me, it's like, I, you know, I, I've looked at evolution, for instance, and found it to be uh, compelling. And so, you know, as a person of faith, I also believe that God created the human being, that he put the breath of life in us. And so trying to mesh that with evolutionary theory is really hard. You know, so, uh, but I do believe that there is some sort of God-guided process of evolution that, you know, explains everything that we see. And I believe that human beings are distinct and separate from the rest of creation. Of course. Because we are, um, you know, it's just beyond, beyond the difference between a human being and an animal. You know, it doesn't take a genius to to observe that, you know. Conscious beings believing the things that we believe and capable of the things we're capable of. There's a God spark in us, you know. So I think that uh, that's... That's what you got to hold on to as far as the creation story goes. But um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think for sure, like, there's there's something fishy about that whole it happened in six days theory because... Oh, yeah, sorry, six, because he's rested on seven. Yeah, don't yeah. forget that. No, of so, not. but, you know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I I think there's a, there's a lot of ways that I, you know, I've read some things about interpreting that word day, you know, that that yeah. word day can actually be a term that, uh, is referred to a lot of different, um, a lot of different uh, ways. There's a lot of different ways that that word could be interpreted. It could be well, an epoch. An I asked age. it just because in right before you know he, he on the first day this happened the second day he it talks about the light right being called the day and the darkness being called the night. So it technically did explain that a day was light and darkness and night. And then it said, you know, continue on and say, I would make it in this day and then the next day. So to me, why, why I would think, okay, it might be a thousand years, but also I'm leaning on the day, actually six days side, like 24 hours each day is just because it, it talked about how light was day and then dark was night. And then it just said, you know, but again, you know, here's where you get really, here's where it gets tricky because, uh, most theologians look at that and recognize in the original language that it's poetic, right? And the, some say it was a song that was sung. And so, like, and you read it, it even in the English, and you get, I mean, think about a song, right? Think about the repetition that is in a yeah. song. It's first not, day, the second day. I mean, there's I morning, there, or there was evening, there was morning the first day. There was evening, there was morning the second day. There was evening, there was morning. You know, the way that it, that it describes it on that day, the Lord got me. It's all this cadence and all this repetition and so you look at that and people have have wondered for a long time you know if that wasn't some sort of a of an ancient song that people used to sing to hand down to the next generation a description for the creation of the world it, it could it's be pretty you darn compelling know. there's a lot of different <laughs> theories out there so um, but you know that yeah. being said right then then we look at genesis and and what it's describing to us and we we could draw some things from it but it's true in the it's true, but it's true in a in a way that maybe isn't satisfying all of our scientific questions, right? Yeah. And that's not what it's meant to do. So yeah. uh, then we then we gotta really think, you know, exactly what is it meant to do. 
uh, maybe just give us a bearing, give us a, a sense that, I mean, okay, well, first of all, you know, the idea that human beings are made in the image of God has been perhaps the most transformative truth in Christianity that has contributed to, I mean, it's contributed to so many social reforms. Even, I mean, right now, the racial tensions that we're in right now, Martin Luther King Jr. appealed to that truth to fight for civil rights. Uh, the slavery abolitionists appealed to that truth, William Wilberforce, others, to abolish slavery. I mean, if it wasn't for that foundational truth, I don't know if the world would be where it is today. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, if you're essentially saying that there's people that, you know, want what God would want. I mean, is that what you mean? Like, and God wouldn't want there to be slavery or... Well, no, just that truth that we were made in the image of God. I'm just saying that that is contained within those first two chapters of Genesis, right? And perhaps that's the important thing for us to grab a hold of, right? Yeah. Rather than kind of understanding scientifically how God created the world, if we could just capture that one truth that we as human beings, you know, all colors, all, all creeds, every person has been made in the image of God, and there's something of an estimable value in each and every person. And that, that is, it, it, it helps us as a society to understand, you know, the importance of treating others with respect and equality and male, female, all this kind of stuff. You know, it, it really gives us a foundation on which to yeah. build our societies. And, um, yeah, we've messed it up. We've, oh, we've, big time. <laughs> we've created all sorts of chaos, but that one foundational truth has always been a, something I guess we can build on and grow from. And so, you know, I mean, I, I think that, I'm not like I, I guess I, there's some people that might be saying, "Oh, what's he saying?" You know that this way that we read the Bible and, and the evolution's possible. That is he just throwing the scriptures out? And no, 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 absolutely not. I think they're critically important. They're authoritative. They're the most important documents that we have, you know, for understanding who God is and who we are. Um, so, you yeah. know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the scriptures, but. Well, I, I mean, I hope so, because you've <laughs> devoted a lot of your life and your time to talking about them. So, yeah, it's just, it's interesting to talk about and actually, like, think about, like, we're, like, what image of God or, you know, as, as people, we're kind of, the, what is it, what did you say, the spitting image, or the, the image of God? No, just, yeah, we're created in the image created, of God that yeah. he, you know, he breathes his breath of life into us is the way that it's described in Genesis and that they, he was he made us in his image, and so like for instance, when uh, the Adam and Eve have their two sons, Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel in a fit of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, and God's criticism of what he has done, God's judgment over him is you've killed someone who bears the, my image, yeah. right? His blood is crying out from the ground, right? And that was the issue. And so, you know, all sin against our fellow human beings is tainting, you know, or abusing a person who is made in the image of God, right? That's the big, that's the big factor there. So, you know, it doesn't mean, of course, we could do whatever the heck we want to animals or whatever, but there's something significant about being 
made in the image of God and that every human being that you and I interact with is a person made in the image of God. That's significant. You know, I mean, what else, what else gives human beings value and worth? You know, I mean, if we're just animals that have climbed up out of the proverbial cosmic soup, you know, then what are we then? We're no more, we're no more significant than a mosquito. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big, big deal. This image of God thing. It's a big deal. Yeah. And I didn't even think about it. So you brought it up. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I don't know. I've learned a lot like about, you know, that being the image of God and like how you live your life and you have to live it, you know, through God, I guess. I mean, obviously nobody's going to be as perfect as Jesus. I don't think he ever sinned. Did he? No. Right. Never talked about it. Oh, you better not have. You better not have, but they <laughs> might not have mentioned it. But I know, I seriously, I don't think he sinned. So, I mean, it's not like we can, you know, nobody's nobody's ever not sinned. I mean, I'm not like the perfect image of God. I'm not like God or Jesus, but. No, of course. I have yeah. to live my, my life in a way that, you know, people would want to, I guess, as an influence. I mean, if I live, if I live, you know, if I live a happy, good life um, doing things through and for God. Um, I think that's I think that's what he would want, right? Yeah, I mean, we you know, so there's a there's a an important distinction between you know being seeing ourselves as being made in the image of God and understanding our inestimable worth. You know, your sense of self worth should come from there. That's the foundation. Because no matter what anybody says about you or the way they treat you or anything, that's true no matter what. But then there's also this other side, right? Of what you're talking about, you got to see yourself with a with an ounce of humility and just kind of recognize that I'm capable of, I'm capable of a great deal of, of mischief and sin and bad behavior. You know, I just, you know, I don't have it all put together. Right. And that's the humility piece where we recognize that, I guess, traditionally Christians would say that we're fallen and we are, you know, we're fallen and we're incapable of living up to the standard that God has set for us, you know, and, and so, and actually this is an interesting point. Uh, when we talk about sin, for instance, people hate that word these days, but all that sin means is that what God created us for, right. Is it, it's an actually an archery term. I don't know if you've heard this in your like bow and arrow. Education. Yeah. Bow and arrow. Archery sin term. is a bow and arrow term. It's a bow and arrow term and it means to miss the mark. It means to miss the bullseye. Right. And so, you know, your goal obviously is to hit the bullseye. bullseye. God created you to hit the bullseye. But he knows nobody's going to do that. But perfectly. And so we sin, which means we err. Yeah. You know, we, we get off course and it's impossible for us to hit the bullseye. And so, you know, that's of course what the gospel is all about that, you know, God has provided for us, Jesus Christ. Uh, Not only is he a model of what it looks like to, to hit the bullseye yeah. that we can emulate and live up to, but the fact that we don't hit the bullseye, you know, he's the one that he's the one that has provided salvation for us because, you know, we, you know, if you if we live our entire lives, you know, off the mark, eventually at some point we're going to be way off the mark, and the further the time goes, we're even further and further and further away from the mark. Yeah, you know, and so somebody needed to bring us back to center. Is it more significant, like sin wise? Um, is there are, are there more sins? Because aren't all sins equal? Is that is that is that something that's just like said, or is that actually in the Bible? Well, I mean, I, you know, again, I mean, all 
yes, all sins are equal. They have different consequences naturally, right? I mean, that's true even in our society. But oh, yeah. um, but to God, I mean, I could go, you know, litter, get a little what fine or something, and then I could go kill somebody and get life in prison. It's it, in in society, it's a people is a huge difference. But they're both wrong. But one is. And, and, and not just a society. To me, it's worse to kill somebody than to litter. But, but to God, is does He look at something like murder? Because that's I, I guess I'm I, talking. You know, I'm talking about our law. But it, it, murder is something that He is. I mean, it's in the Ten Commandments, right? Does He look at that killing someone as equal to someone? Um, I don't know, being dishonoring to their mother and father. Yeah, I mean that. Well, that gets really tough, right? Because then you have to ask all the ethical questions. Of what about war? Yeah. You know, I mean, shoot, how do you yeah, deal with exactly. that? You know, but um, I mean, do you think that he is? Uh, what I'm trying to ask is because you know, there's so many things that you can do wrong. Yet when I look at the Ten Commandments, there's only ten, and I want to say like we're talking about the archery is like, is it worse if I do something like tell a lie? Would that make me just as off from the bullseye than it would if I killed somebody? Well, this is the tricky thing about the scriptures, right, is, you know, basically tells us that, um, you know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's just, that's, that's what the, that's what the way that Paul describes it's it. It's true. We've fallen short, meaning we've gotten off the mark, you know, we've missed the mark, right? And so, uh, it doesn't matter how small or how large your sin is, this, the consequence is equal, yeah. uh, in, in eternal terms, Right. If you've missed the mark and you've strayed from God's ideal, um, then you have judgment awaiting for you, right? And, yeah. and so now God in his mercy and his love doesn't want us to suffer judgment, to suffer the, the consequences of that judgment. He wants to bring us to eternal life again, so he rescues us. And, you know, that's the gospel, but right? But does he Jesus. rescue those who yes. live their way? This, this is what I was trying to get at, too. So perfect. Does Ted, so, Ted Bundy? People like him. Jeffrey Epstein, like bad, bad people. Bad people. You, so what I'm saying is, do you think that like when you say he wants to, everyone to have eternal life in him, is that everyone is in, you know, someone who's really good, um, faith in God, lives his, you know, best life he can, makes mistakes. He dies. He goes to purgatory shield, wherever. He's in the, <laughs> what, the righteous waiting room. God will then on judgment well, day. Well, now, now purgatory, I mean, just real quick, purgatory is a little bit different purgatory is there shield and purgatory is different well purgatory is more of like a catholic belief oh um, so should i consider it shield then well yeah i don't, well, I don't, yeah, I don't I, know what to say. i don't know what the well purgatory say. is this idea it's this place where you go to work off all the bad things that you've done is that in right so catholics kind of provide for this this question that you're asking through this idea of purgatory and so if you're jeffrey epstein you're going to be in purgatory for a long time. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're Lachlan McGregor, who's who's been a pretty upstanding, good guy, pretty okay. You know, you, you might time. only get you know a few years or yeah. something in purgatory. But uh, you know, it's uh, I don't believe in that view. I don't either. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I think that I think that Jesus' conversation with a thief on the cross is the best way to look at this particular issue. You know, because what did Jesus say to this guy? who was dying next to him on the cross, most likely for things that he had done. He was a thief. He was a thief, yeah. Right? And um, maybe that's a harsh way to treat a thief, but that's the way they did it back then. But uh, he was a thief. He was a criminal. Even the other criminal that was being crucified on the other side uh, said to his fellow criminal, uh, 
he said, well, the, the criminal who was having a conversation with Jesus said to the other criminal, you know, hey, you know, we're being crucified because, you know, justly because we've done something wrong. Right. You know, this guy's innocent. Right. But it was that confession of faith along with, the, you know, this conversation that Jesus had with him. And Jesus turns to him and says, You'll today paradise, you'll be or, with me in yeah. paradise. And, and what, did he have to work it off? Did he have to prove it? Did he have to, to, and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. That's why I'm asking you this. Which is, is the because other interesting thing. Doesn't he have to wait you know? in the waiting room like yeah. everybody else? Well, again, you know, I mean, there's, there's something about Jesus, uh, his death at that moment. That's where Christians would say at that moment, he went down. Things and, changed. And maybe. he delivered people out But why, why would things change? Why would he, why would all of a sudden... He'd be like, now I'm going to free everybody's there, and there's going to be a second time where I'm going to come back and free everybody. Well, the obvious question is because of what Jesus Christ accomplished. He paid for sin on the cross, mm-hmm. and then he, he was raised to life, meaning you know, people who are dead in sin are now given eternal life. And at that moment, you could say that things change forever. I believe things change forever, and so does it have a, a significance on, you know, whatever happens to us after we die? I think so. Probably. I actually, I believe that. I think yeah. so. Well, so. I mean, so you have what the Catholic belief that you kind of have to work off your sins that you had in life, um, and then you have. I, I like that one. For, I don't know if I believe it, but I like it. I mean, I it sounds it sounds cool. It feels right. it feels like Ted Bundy. You know, if he did, you know, I think there's this story of. Dr. Dobson going in there and, and leading him to Christ, right? I just, it's yeah. hard, right? That's hard to yeah, embrace. I know. But like what I'm trying to say is like, okay, so there's two waiting rooms in one kind of section. You have the, what you call the righteous? And that would be... Righteous departed. Righteous yeah. department, like departed. Good. I mean, I don't like to say good people because no one's necessarily good, but you know what I mean. Like, Faithful Abraham, Isaac, Abraham, sure. Jacob. Let's use them, yeah. yeah. And then when you say there's another area of torment, wouldn't that just be hell because you've died and you're a bad person? Yeah, I mean, it certainly, it certainly sounds like it is. What, why? It's just because it says torment? Well, just the way that Jesus describes it. What does he say? You know, he says it. He describes it as a place of torment. He says, he says that, well, the... And this is the story I've told you before, but uh, it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and not the Lazarus who's Jesus' friend, but a Lazarus who Jesus said was a beggar who had nothing in this life. And then he says, both these guys die. And the Lazarus, the beggar, is with Abraham in in Abraham's bosoms on the righteous departed side. And on the other side, it says there's this great chasm between, so think like the Grand Canyon or something. And on the other side, there's this guy who's in torment, it says, and he's in the lake of fire. So Isn't that, that hell? That sounds like hell to me. So so you're so essentially well, when you die, you do go to hell. Well I guess I mean, there's there's different terms that it would be described like the abyss is another term. Well, that's in Revelations, isn't it? Yeah, the, the abyss is So there is there a difference of the lake of fire, the abyss, hell? I mean, are those kind of all the same thing? Or some of those would so, be Yeah, I mean some people think that it's this you know, this kind of temporary thing. And, and other people think that like in revelation, it describes, uh, after the thousand year millennium that, uh, and people oftentimes look at that and they think that that's a future event. And so they say, well, then all the, after the thousand year uh, millennium, you know, all the devil and his angels get gathered up with all the evil people 
the wicked people, mm-hmm. and they get thrown into the lake of fire. So the lake of fire people think is like the eternal. So that's, that's that would the, be hell. That's the eternal hell. But that, I mean, there's so many other so beliefs, many. right? I mean, some people believe in annihilationism. Some what people just believe that annihilation. After, after, yeah, annihilation. Like you're so essentially, a, you you cease to exist. Well, they can't even imagine that. You can't imagine that. Well, I can't imagine like ceasing. Like I don't know how to. This seems weird. Like when I, you know, if someone dies, their body's here, their souls, like wherever else it is, you know, <laughs> sheol, purgatory, I and mean, whatever you believe. But ceasing to exist, even your soul, like your body, sure, but like your soul not being. I mean, annihilation is just ism or whatever. It sounds strange, but I mean, the, what I'm trying to ask is like, if if the whole if you use it was a parable of the rich man yeah. and and what uh, and Lazarus. Lazarus, why is there a judgment day if you're already being essentially judged? If you're a bad person and you're that means you're thrown into what you what it, you call it Hades would be the the area of torment. Why would you be judged if you're already if you're already a bad guy? You're already being you know burned and tormented essentially why do you have to why does god have to say okay now you're gonna go you know the hell i mean you, you already know that and it's a great question you know i mean i think there's there's a couple of descriptions of maybe like two judgments uh you know the one at the end that revelation describes of the lamb of god is on the throne and it's the great judgment day and you know guys i mean i can't even imagine you know what like 14 billion people that's a long it's a long process right but uh you know so who knows how it works but you know there's some there's obviously god and his infinite knowledge is able to uh discern who is righteous and who is wicked and uh and all of that but you know i again i don't i don't even know i'm just i'm not a good person to ask on a lot of these things because i'm not very opinionated um, so, you know, I don't know if I have a firm belief of exactly how that happens or, um, or, or what happens at the point that a person dies today who is not, you know, under the grace of Jesus Christ, you know, call it. It know. just confuses me, though, because, I mean, he because you said, you know, all knees will bow, all tongues will confess yeah. in the end. And is this, does that mean that... People, I keep using Jeffrey Epstein because, in my opinion, he's one of those evil people. I mean, who's relevant, I guess, still today because, you know, yeah, it wasn't that long ago that he was killed. If anybody thinks he killed himself, it's not true. But we all <laughs> we know. But, it was, yeah, what save I'm saying is... Save that for another podcast. We'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> but um, what I'm saying is that do you think that um, he will be, you know, in torment or in hell and be like, oh, my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. I want to repent and stuff because in the end if every single person is going to be you know oh god you know like you know loving for god and realize that he's the one like what wouldn't you change the second you die and you're in torment you're like oh i gotta you know i gotta convert to god like i mean wouldn't everybody do that why would we have to wait right judgment day i mean i I believe that the how you live your life in this life really matters right but there's a lot of really tricky things to think about you know, what about a child who dies at the age of seven? Yeah. You know, they're not fully formed in their mind or are able to, I mean, believe in Jesus. Maybe they've never heard it. What about a person who's lived in Papua New Guinea 2,000 years ago? That's no idea you know, about anything else. Right. You know, so it's, it's those are the hard questions that I think 
I think that God judges the heart of people, and and I believe that um, I don't believe that He's going to hold people accountable to a certain standard of righteousness. No. Um, or, well, I believe He is going to hold them accountable to a standard of righteousness, but I don't believe that He is going to judge people um, unjustly for you know not having heard of Jesus Christ. And so I think that what you do in this life matters. Um, but, you know, I think that there's a, there's a, a fairness gauge, I guess you could say, and a, a justice uh, that's established where we recognize that um, in some way, shape, or form, you know, God gives people an opportunity who have never heard to, uh, to place their faith in Christ. I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's something um, on the other side or what. Uh, but there is a view, uh, I think you and I had been talking about it a while ago, about universalism. There is a view that uh, people just kind of wander outside the gates of heaven and they uh, wander and live lives of misery. And But, and, and, so but eventually everybody will be won over and compelled would to... Would that be hell? Because you Christ. can't not be in... I mean, maybe you can, but yeah. you can wander outside of the gates, but you wouldn't be in hell, you wouldn't be in heaven. Is, well, would I that mean, be the waiting room, do you think? Yeah, I guess you could describe it. Probably it would be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, C.S. Lewis, have you ever read The Great Divorce? No, I've read Narnia, though. You should... Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, you should read The Great Divorce. I'm, you, you gave should. me the 12, reason, or 12 rules for life. I got too That's many a different books subject. I know, but 12 I got rules. so many books Dude, to read. Dude, you better be reading, boy. That's Dude, all I could I am. say. I read like 40 pages of the books I'm reading right now. And all right. I don't know. I, okay. I, I'm trying. I, there's just so many good books out there, especially like with all these, you know, watching all the Rogan podcasts, every guy he has on has written freaking hundred books and, you know, they're always like, you guys should read this. And I'm like, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of them you don't want to read. I'd, Let's well, be honest. I'll, maybe not. <laughs> I have learned enough from the videos of them, you know, on the podcast. But. Yeah. Well, you know, C.S. Lewis was a great... He's just one of the smartest guys, great writer, incredibly creative, of course, Nardia and all that kind of stuff. But he wrote a book called The Great Divorce, which is a description of of heaven and hell, you know, essentially. And it's very compelling. It's very interesting. What did he base it on? Versus... It's, it's kind of a metaphor. Um, so the whole story, I mean, it could be kind of difficult to read, but he liked to use stories, you know, almost like parables, like Jesus... You know, he liked to use stories to describe his beliefs of things. But it was his his opinion. Did he did he take the this is what hell's like out of the Bible, or did he, did he just like here's what it's probably like out of his own head? Yeah, I mean, he took it out of the scriptures. You know, I mean, it, it's his belief. You know, based off. And I actually I haven't read it in a long time, so you know, I don't know if I could describe it very perfectly. But you know, it, it you know be helpful for you just because you're in the middle of this curiosity and you got to feed your curiosity that's a good thing i love it yeah do you you think so i mean going back to the i guess um description of you know we're talking about description of heaven and hell and people maybe waving outside the gates people in the lake of fire all this stuff when you talk about like people inside of heaven do you think that there are I mean, this is going to get on another subject, kind of bump into it. Do you think that there are people that are in heaven that God might send down? Angels was what I'm trying to say. Do you think that there are such things as 
spirits, ghosts. I believe in angels. I mean, it's throughout the Bible, Gabriel. You know, yeah, all this of course. And that. Yeah, do you think Gabriel was obvious. a real guy? Or do you think that God was just That like, he was? Do you think that... Because, I mean, you know, you in, in the beginning of the Bible, when they kick Adam and Eve out of the garden, um, and you have the... What is it? The, was it the sword? It was angel with the sword? Something like that. There's There were angels b- before, but Adam and Eve were the, the first people. So do you think that when people say, oh, this place is haunted, there's ghosts... There's their spirits. Are are those just people that are crazy or or they're actually I mean, we can do angels as a different subject because I totally believe in angels. Totally. But I do want to know if there's are there are there bad angels, like ghosts and evil spirits and stuff like that? Because you know very well as I do that in throughout the Bible people have had to have evil spirits casted out of them and stuff like that. Is that is that is that real? As in there's they're actually uh, possessed and there's actually ghosts out there well let me say this at the start because we're going to go into a a weird place so uh there are people who emphasize this and focus on this way too much for their own good and i don't think that's ever profitable or honest uh, or are good there are people that don't focus on it at all and it's to their detriment right because there are evil spirits is what i believe it's convincing to me um, and there are angels and there is a spiritual battle. And I think that's clear from scriptures. And so, you know, we, you know, what does the apostle Paul say? You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Right. Yeah. So, and you look at what happens in the world today, nations rising up against nations and, you know, this, this social ideas and capitalism and socialism and, you know, all this kinds of, of crazy stuff. It, you know, it's, it's powers and principalities that are at work moving these very big things that we are powerless against yeah. in and of our own power. So, so yes. So, you know, but if you over-focus on it, right, you get crazy real fast, right? And if you underemphasize it, you know, then I think that you're ill-equipped to be able to deal with some of the things that are coming up against you. So, um, so how do we start this? <laughs> I mean, is your essential? I mean, first of all, you're asking, do angels exist, right? Uh, well, I was asking. I know angels exist. Um, at least they're probably more prevalent than when back then when they would come and you know what play the trumpets for the dudes out in the field when Jesus was born. I, I believe in angels. I, I know what you're asking. So. Yeah, what you're asking is, well, here I'll Are give there you bad angels, ghosts, and possessions, demons. Yeah, and demons, yeah. yeah. So, the way that the Bible describes it is, it says this is in it's Revelation 12. I forgot, but uh, so it talks about there's a in Revelation. Confusing thing about the Book of Revelation is it's not necessarily all describing future events. It goes back and forth throughout history. Very well, isn't it? Isn't it about Judgment Day? Well, Isn't that in the future? a lot of it certainly seems to be describing that, but it goes back and forth. Like, for instance, this passage that you look at in Revelation chapter 12 is describing when Jesus was born, and it describes even time before that. It says that the dragon fell, it's speaking of Lucifer's fall from grace, which happened had to have happened before creation, right? Because the serpent is there tempting Adam and Eve, right? So, Well, maybe not before creation. Maybe he fell as... Well, here's what, I'm, here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. It says that a third of the stars were swept from the sky. And those stars are references to angels. The dragon when, sweeps a third in Revelation chapter 12. They're talking about when Satan or Lucifer. 
when he fell. fell. It says when he fell, his tail swept a third of the stars from the sky. Right? It's obviously not angels. talking about physically what that happened. It's speaking of angels, right? So, so the belief is that a third of the angels followed Lucifer and became Dang, demons. That's not good. <laughs> and that they were sent to the earth. Now, there's a lot of confusion if you look at, and this is, this is like something we're going to get into the edge of, you know, theories on biblical ideas, but there's a lot of people that speculate that when it says in Genesis 1 that the earth was formless and empty, uh, that there was a void over the deep, right? And that, the description of how it describes it in English, there's actually a, the, the original uh, language, it, the meaning of that could be that there there was a, maybe you could call it like a desolation or there it was like a it was there was something there that had existed before that was now dead, which like is really what? interesting. Could what it have mean been something? Could it have been? Um, so you think before the first day God made this? You well, think yeah, before yeah, that so, there was something. Well, but you think God was always there? Well, some people say that. You know, yeah, you know, I know you wanted to get into aliens. Maybe it was another, <laughs> another civilization. Uh, some people say uh, it's a description of the demons. What, that, what, what do you mean? It is a description of the demons, like the void. Yes. How? how what do you mean? I don't even. I, I essentially don't even know what I'm picturing. I'm just picturing darkness. Well, that you know, the, so the deep, right? The the primordial soup. <laughs> I guess you could call it of this world before everything that is is um, is is a description of this uh, nothingness. I guess you could say is the, is the way the scriptures are describing. What I'm saying is it's not necessarily nothingness. Right? There's something that it's referring to, you know. And so, um, you know, so there's the spirit of God hovers over the deep. Right, and then God speaks light, let there, the, be light. let there be light, and all this kind of stuff. And so, whatever it's describing there, some people have suggested that perhaps uh, that is a description of the devil and his demons. Some people suggest that maybe it's maybe it's a description of some previous human civilization, or you know, all these kinds of things. But hey, wouldn't he say? Wouldn't he be more mentioned more in the Bible if there was a whole another? Civilization before anything. Well, and again, it's poetic. So I, I think, regardless of regardless of what you think about those things, obviously, it's not something we were meant to know because there's very little to no mention of it. So, so what? First of all, let's just go through this again. Satan took a third of the angels with him, yeah. down to Earth or Hell or what? Earth, Earth. So, what does that mean? Like when Adam and Eve were walking around, there were. What, what, what would it be a demon? Like, because Satan was essentially a snake or a serpent. Well, it means this is a war zone, you know, and the war zone is being fought over the hearts of men. And that certainly is the way that the scriptures describe it, right? There's so many examples of this, you know, whether it's in the book of Daniel, there's an interesting interaction that Daniel has with with uh, the angel Gabriel, I believe it is, who's, who Daniel prays, and then he, the angel Gabriel finally shows up and says, I was held up because I was in a battle with the prince of Persia, which people believe is a principality, a demonic force. That's a very interesting passage. There's a cup, I mean, there's a ton of them with Jesus, 
right? I mean, Jesus interacting with with uh, evil spirits. One guy who has a legion. It's like a hundred evil spirits in him. But uh, spirits are like... I'm just confused because like... What do you what do you mean? Like spirits, like non, they're just like people are bad. Is that what you mean? Or like there's legitimate demons that you can see, or, or the prince of I don't I don't know. I don't, I'm confused. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not like people who have died and lived before. Uh, I don't. I think they're they're angels. They're fallen angels. But you can see them. Mm, I, I suppose if they made themselves known. You know, I mean, because you can uh, see Luc- Satan, Lucifer, same, you know, as a snake or whatever he was portrayed as, as a serpent. Whereas it are demons, demons, demons and angels both uh, seem to occupy air in some sense, you know. And so when you, um, okay, so being a pastor, and I, I, I don't know if I want to go into too much detail because this stuff gets really crazy, and I, you know, but I've. Um, I've been a part of, you know, I've I've been in, in certain places, uh, both here in the states and in Africa and places like that, where it's, it seems to be more prominent, where evil spirits have manifested, and typically it's a person who um, may or may not know that they even have an evil spirit, right? But uh, you begin praying or you begin you know, praying for them or some church meeting or whatever else. And, and all of a sudden something inside of them is agitated, you know, because they're encountering the presence of God and in the presence of God, it's not really them because it's their spirits get agitated. Yeah. But they start manifesting. So like, I mean, one time I saw a person shaking on the ground uncontrollably screaming, uh, you know, and typically, you know, as you pray for them and you deliver, you, you know, attempt to deliver them from these spirits, they come out through air. They come out through um, the airways. And they you know, breathe so them out? Screaming. Like, but you, know, you can't you're screaming, see them. You're, you know, yeah. groaning. Uh, I've seen a person gag and vomit. Um, it's but crazy, it's just, man. It's just like they're sick, but you can't see them. It's crazy. And, and I, you know, it's like an exorcist movie. It absolutely is. And there's a reason why those movies exist, because this stuff happens. And, you know, <laughs> most people have never seen it. When I tell these stories, people are like, wait, you've seen this? I've seen it like five or six times, you know, which is not as much as, you know, the person we both know, Richard and Valerie Victor. Still Vickner. a lot, though, five times. Yeah, and it's freaky, man. It's very but freaky. But why, ha- why, why, why does it happen? Like, why do, why and how do spirits and demons get into people and you know i mean it, it's mentioned in the bible as well but what, yeah. why, why does it happen is that one of the one third of the angels that came down and has been possessing people i think so i mean i think that uh i think these evil spirits work against they work against the the work that god would desire to do in a person's life and so you know there's the apostle paul talks about not giving the enemy a foothold in your life and so if you're, if you're somehow embracing or um, validating um, some lie that the enemy is telling you, you become susceptible. You know, a lot of times people with addiction, I, you know, I knew one guy with an incredibly terrible sex addiction who was possessed. Um, was he 
actually possessed? Is, is well, that what addiction is? You're ten, well, you're, you are. It's I, not every person who's who's got a porn problem has got a demon in them, you know. Oh, yeah. But you know that's where you overemphasize something and it could be traumatic for a person. You know, I'd be delivering every fourteen-year-old boy in the world. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's it was a situation. This guy had a, just a severe problem, and he was probably in his mid-thirties. And I was praying for him. And the reason I would say he had a demon is because all of a sudden he started shaking uncontrollably as we were praying. And then he started vomiting and he was vomiting, like just gagging on the floor. And then, you know, after we prayed for him to be delivered and that was happening, you know, there was this moment where he just was at peace and you just knew that whatever was going on was dealt with. And, uh, so, you know, I would say that he was delivered and, um, he and I didn't, keep tabs much, but I know that he had a significant improvement in his ability to uh, overcome that particular issue, vice in his life. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. Is, is, is it just because... It is crazy. <laughs> I, I'm just confused because, I mean, not with that makes sense, but why is it that some people have demons... And some people, I mean, might not, because I mean, people say, you know, I'm dealing with my own. Well, demons. let's, you know, let's let's, I don't know, come up with a scenario. Let's, At least more significant, because I feel like everybody has their own battle going on with different addictions or things that they're struggling with. But why would one person, you know, be prayed over? And because I, I struggle with things all the time. I'm just a human. Like, and if you were going to pray with me, I'm. I mean, I don't want. I don't think I would. You know, be gagging and vomiting and screaming. But why? Why would he? Or the other people in you know in Africa, Kenya, wherever, uh, why would they be? Why is that more well, prominent? Let's, for them? let's play the yeah. Well, okay. The the reason I think that that it's more prominent in places like Africa is because uh, there there's a strong uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just just kind of a pagan roots in those areas and like so witchcraft, witchcraft, huh? exactly. So they're in fact. Almost every village in Kenya where I've spent a, a good deal of time has a witch doctor. So that stuff is real. You don't just yeah. look at a witch, witch doctor and say, it's crazy. It, yeah, I think it is. You know, I mean, in as much as a person, you know, signs up to say, I'm going to be a witch doctor, you got to think they've made some agreements with but they're, the wrong that's side. That's a real thing. Yeah. And they make sacrifices too, you know, like, what? So, like terrible stuff. You know, they might sacrifice their first child. Wow. I mean, literally. That stuff still happens? Oh. And that's and I'm not asking you like oh it's real there's witch doctors and I'm it's, asking and it's like, not only that but the witch doctors in Kenya you know and I've heard tons of stories about this witch doctors in Kenya will uh, basically you know I mean even right now like for instance they thrive in situations like coronavirus who, right because who people does? are these witch doctors because doctor. people are petrified and afraid that they're going to get the coronavirus and die and so the witch doctor might go to a particularly vulnerable family and say hey if you sacrifice that child to this god or or you know this whatever entity then you are going to be preserved from the coronavirus but what do they gain out of that i'd understand if they, a belief that they are preserved from the coronavirus no no no, no. what i'm saying is what if the witch doctor was to say you guys have to pay me money I would understand that he's gaining money. But if he wants to kill somebody, what is he gaining out of that? Well, he absolutely gets money. And, and then he gets a power over people. 
and he's evil because he's he's possessed. He or she is possessed. Is it? it and you think and they, the more that like for instance, a person would go to a witch doctor and make certain agreements with a witch doctor and and do things that the witch doctor is telling them, the more susceptible they are to possession. And so, you know, that's that's where I think that it happens in a place like Kenya, in a place like the United States of America. I think it's more subtle, much more subtle. Is that is that does that go the same way with Ouija boards? Because I don't mess with Ouija boards <laughs> for that reason, because I believe that that's real crap. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it could be similar. I mean, I I don't, you know, I mean, Ouija boards. It's like. I think it's a person could just mess around with a Ouija board and whatever, but a person who's trying to like take it very seriously and, and trying to conjure up some spirit or, or something, it's, it's probably not safe. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Because you think you could get possessed or something bad's going to happen. Because the reason I ask is one of our Bible teachers back in middle school mentioned stuff. You know, she mentioned her friends would actually, you know, hang out and do that stuff, and then things would start happening. Quit it, like... She didn't. She, she said it's not a coincidence that you know, you know, this and that would say this for about the Ouija board, and then a few days later something would happen. She didn't believe it to be a coincidence, and I don't either. I don't. You know, some people. I have friends that think it's just a bunch of BS. It's the freaking board. It doesn't make sense. You know, and I can understand. I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm just saying I believe it because of. I mean, I believe there's demons, and I believe that you know they don't just happen. That if you just if you're gonna put yourself in those situations, that stuff's real. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think that's where it just pays to be smart, cautious, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think that, like, I think you can go overboard, right, and freak out over something like that, and um, and uh, you almost kind of lend it a certain power that's not healthy, right? But then, you know, at the same time, you could be, um, you could be, you know, somewhere on the other side where it's like you don't care, you don't think it exists, you don't believe in it or whatever, and so you just, you do something stupid or whatever you think is a joke and then you know yeah bad and things happen. Can happen i don't know i'm not you know ouija boards i i personally have never had any experiences or stories you know attached to ouija boards i know a lot of people have but uh you know whatever i mean things things have power when we give them power you know and i, that's I think true. that's the i think that's the the thing with demonic forces you know we like for instance i was going to say that you know it's more subtle here because it's it's like a person who's dealing with self-worth issues and and a spirit is speaking over them you're worthless and to the extent that they that they embrace that or accept that as truth that lie that is being told over them it's just another foothold that the enemy has in your life yeah and that happens subtly and you give it over and over and over and over and you know i think that a lot of people who struggle uh you know, with those issues, you know, are being tormented by voices and voices, not, you know, audible voices per se, but impressions in their mind. And, you know, you have to guard yourself. And, and that's where I think being a person who's serious and um, takes these things seriously is equipped, you know, because you could say, you know what, that's not, a, that's not a thought that comes from my Heavenly Father. You know, I'm going to reject that thought and I'm going to embrace the truth which is that I'm created in the image of God. I have an estimable value and worth at his eyes. You know, and, yeah. and, you know, those are the kind of ways that you defend yourself from that stuff. So why, like, why would God put 
this is essentially a question that I feel like a lot of people struggle with, not specifically the one I'm going to ask, but like, why does God let there be suffering? Why does God let innocent people die? And, you know, why does, you know, this and that, if he really cares about us, like, why would God let one third of his angels go down and there's going to be demons and, and going into, you know, in people, you know, like, why, why would that happen? Like, does that, that's like a question that I guess it's like slowly moving to another subject, but still on the, the topic of demons is if he, you know, loves us, so much why would he allow there to be things such as demons um or and you know uh, you know murderers and this and that and bad people but you know let's stick with the demons for the beginning of this like what why does he why did he allow you know one third of his people from heaven the angels to go down to you know earth and torment people you know and allow there to be witch doctors and like you know i don't understand it Right. I mean, because as a parent, you know, would I put a bunch of sharks in my own pool, let my kids swim in there? No. You know, of course not, right? So, um, you know, this question is difficult because, you know, I think what it comes down to is is love, you know, and love is a, is, you know, what what has to exist for love, for love to exist? Or or I guess what what conditions would have to be for love to exist? You know, and, and I think that, um, you know, the thing that people have always come to is freedom of choice, you know, and so you give Adam and Eve freedom of choice and you tell them, here is where life comes from, it comes from me, I'm the sustainer of life, this is their heavenly father speaking to them, and any alternative to that leads to death, yeah. and um, and it's not... It's not as if God is obviously desiring that for them. He's providing and giving them every opportunity to receive life. But because he wants love to exist, because he he wants there to be choice and not just create, you know, these robots. Well, then, because everybody would, there would be no point in having all of our, If all our loyalty and love for God was compelled, then it no longer is love or loyalty. But essentially, isn't that what earth would have been? us being robots because if Adam, Adam and Eve hadn't eaten that fruit, we would have been all sinless, right? Well, I think we always would have had a choice, you know, and, uh, so some, you're saying if, if Adam and Eve were like, actually, we're not going to eat that down the road sometime, someone would F up and do something bad. Well, I think in some sense it had to happen, right? And so human beings have been given this opportunity, um, to, to turn away fall away and I think that's where you know life on this earth had to happen the way that it happens you know and so the tragedy of that is that we all make terrible choices and we hurt one another and uh, that's where a lot of the pain and suffering comes from Um, and I guess you could say God's responsible in the sense that he made that possible but how, how else was he going to do it but why is my question because he, he wanted because he wanted us to love him. By, I mean, an example, uh, you know, like kids getting cancer and dying, mm-hmm. right? Why? Why is that a thing? Like, why them especially? I, I use them because they're young and they don't know and they're innocent and you know, in my opinion, they didn't do do anything enough to deserve something like that. You know, why? Why does that? Why is that necessary? Like, why does that happen? So. There's a helpful passage where the Apostle Paul talks about just the condition of our world, and he describes it as 
as being subject to decay. And so I think it's a helpful way to understand it, you know, that everything that you and I see, you know, think of the, um, think of, you know, a lot of the climate problems that we're experiencing as a result of, you know, greenhouse gases and all this kind of stuff that people are talking about and cancer and disease and or the breakdown of the human body, um, all this kind of stuff, you know, is, is, is what the Apostle Paul would say, a decay from God's original creation, that because sin was introduced, it begins to infect everything, everything. else. And that infection, in some ways, just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. But it's not sin that little kid would get cancer, is it? It's not that child's sin. It's just the Somebody fact that sin has entered the world. You know, we can all... So sin brings grief and sin, sin brings, you know, death. It's not just like the ripple effect. Is I it? think the worst part about sin is that, I mean, for instance, you know, just kind of a real obvious example, the worst part about sin is that we suffer from sins that are not our own. You like know? how? Well, if your mom and dad uh, decided when you were young uh, to get a divorce because, you know, one of them had cheated on the other, um, then this is a terrible example because I'm... <laughs> Because your parents are wonderful people, but um, <laughs> but let's say that that happened, you know, and the, and one of them sinned against the other, and they both sinned against each other, just the way that they just couldn't navigate that situation, and and your life would be radically different, correct? Very different, you know. And but you would, would it be the it, sin of divorce, because or the sin of well, know, adultery, maybe infidelity? Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't think divorce was a sin. I thought it was only against, well, you can only divorce the one if she or he commits adultery. Well, the scriptures say that God hates divorce. And I think that, I think that, uh, I think it's in Leviticus when they talk about that. I think that, let me just say it this way. I don't think that divorce is possible without some sin down the line. You know, so, I mean, some person disrespecting the other, you know, people say things like, oh, we just grew apart. It just happened. You know, no, you lied to him. You didn't respect him, you didn't respect her, you didn't love yeah. her, you didn't cherish her, you didn't, you know, there's a lot of things that happened that caused you to grow apart, you know, and so, but I mean, all that to say, I'm just, the illustration I was using was that the, your parents' decision, right, to create a, a, a very difficult situation for you is something you pay for their yeah. sin. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your responsibility in, in that sense, but, you know, it's the deck that you or the the hand that you've been dealt and so you know you suffer under what somebody else did and and here's the crazy thing right go back five generations to your great 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 grandfather you know mm-hmm. and you know your life is impacted from stupid decisions that you made and That's good decisions yeah. as well but you know think things go down the line and i think that in the same way sin has that effect right it's like you know, it, it has that effect of just creating destruction um, for so whoever gets in its path. Do you believe in karma? Is that is that a thing that you could consider sin being part of? I think that sin has very similar effects of karma. But and think, grace as well. What do you mean grace? Like you have grace on somebody? Well, God's, God's grace. You know, oh, God, oh, yes. God had grace on my father. And um, my father... 
uh, gave his life to Christ, and my life is a great deal better because of that. Because my dad was yeah. a better man because of Christ in his life, and he modeled, you know, things for me, and you know that's impacted my life. I became a Christian primarily because of the foundation that my parents had set up for me, and so, you know, so karma, I. I guess it, I mean sure it's true in the sense what that is, yeah. grace and, uh, and sin, sin and are true impact yeah right so it's a similar concept yeah well I was just I don't know just wondering because I mean you have the small karma like I push you over then I run away and fall that's that's like I don't think that has anything to do with like sin and this and that but your example of you know you know my parents sinning and messing things up which results in me not having a life that I would have had just because it's now infiltrated with sin. Same with the grace with your, with your dad. So yeah, I mean, I, that was a question that I originally wasn't going to just be like, Hey, do you believe in karma? But it's actually good to ask now because it's, it makes sense. So there's like a ripple effect, a domino effects kind of. And there's a lot of similar truths like that in world religions. You know, there's, I mean, there's truth in every world religion. Absolutely. Right. I mean, uh, there's great wisdom in, in some of these things. And so where there's, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that all religions are the same. Certainly not. But, you know, I mean, karma, sure. I mean, I, I guess the explanation for why, and I, I haven't studied it enough to know the explanations for why it exists um, are probably radically different in Buddhism yeah. and, and probably. Uh, Hinduism. They have way different beliefs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely radically different beliefs. You know, for us as Christians, you know, that idea kind of is true in just different explanations for why yeah you know yeah so. my so when it when it comes to like a sin subject um staying on it it's why is why was it that god decided hey i'm gonna flood the earth because of how terrible it is and then you know kill everybody destroy everything you know blah 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 i mean take some of the animals you know take all the animals i guess and save them so they can repopulate but what i mean i feel like the earth is way worse than it was back then when we with it i mean with every you know with more people i mean more poverty more you know i mean technology is terrible i mean weapons crime drugs this and that so why why would he kill everybody on the earth and flood it and then be like i'm never doing that again you know here's my rainbow is my promise you know we're we're good like why why would he do that if the earth is only going to get worse from there yeah it's a weird story um well first of all I mean, I think ev- understanding that everything has to do with w- what you said at the beginning. There's this perception that, wow, things are way worse now than they ever were back then. And maybe that's true, right? But the way that it describes it, it's pretty ugly and nasty. Yeah. Um, but why did he have to... Let's say, let's say it's not. Either way, there's large amounts of evilness so, and wickedness. <sighs> So there's two stories that happened right before the flood. One is, uh, it's hard to even call them stories. They're just brief descriptions of things. One, one is this guy named Lamech, I think is his name. And, and uh, he's talking to his wives, plural. He has multiple wives, which mm-hmm. a lot of people did back then. But, um, and and that was still against the Bible He's back saying, then, right? I killed a man for slighting me. You know, I, I butchered him. And, and he's bragging to his wives about doing this. And there's nobody to keep him accountable because there was no society that said that that was right or wrong or, you know, it was just... So the Bible gives this description of just rampant murder, 
you know, it, you could take whatever happened with Cain and Abel, and it's it's essentially saying that it just became ugly and nasty, right? And just yeah. people had no sense of right and wrong. In fact, that's the way it describes it. They just had no desire to do what was good. Yeah. And so it actually describes things as being quite terrible, um, terrible societies. And, and I don't know, maybe it was as bad as today, uh, but it's certainly the way that it describes it, it was not a very good place to be. Um, and, and then in addition to that, there is, uh, there is that story of the Nephilim, which if you want to talk about aliens, um, the Let's Nephilim is an is interesting that? one. Well, I mean, the Nephilim. Is that is still the, in Genesis? Yeah, it's in Genesis. Nephilim? Nephilim. Like Nephilim? Yeah. Okay. It says that the, it says that basically these angels came down and, and, and saw the women attractive. <laughs> and so like from heaven they came down? Bred with women. Um, and I've heard of this they, before. That's what produced the heroes of old, it says. But Wait, these so Nephilim, it's, are their offspring, so these Nephilim existed, and they were the heroes of old. And, and some people, it, it almost sounds like Hercules, right, or something like that. Like so you, it would be so the best. So angels came down from heaven and... Now, okay, I should say there's different interpretations, and this is perhaps, if not the, one of the most controversial passages in all of scriptures. So it describes angels coming down from heaven, but some people say, hey, no, it wasn't angels. It was this, a description of the sons of Seth, who was, the, you know, who was not Cain, so he was the righteous son, the righteous son of Adam and Eve. There's well, some, I thought they only had Cain and Abel. No, they had more. Oh, they for had real? more sons and daughters. Yeah. Grand Seth for, is one of them. Oh, really? Yeah. Did they have to have sex with their own family to do that? <laughs> I've always wondered that. Isn't that weird? Oh, it certainly, certainly seems to be the case. <laughs> uh, so, so these angels came down. They lived a long time, so it's like a niece, niece, niece. Well, yeah, but <laughs> still a little weird. I don't know. It, oh, it's totally it. weird. Uh, so, yeah, so like the Nephilim uh, were... Yeah, they, so, I mean, I guess a more straightforward way of reading the passage is, yes, angels came down, had sex with women, and their sons and daughters were these heroes, these almost giants and otherworldly kind of characters. And so, As in, like, real giants. Like, yeah, tall. Yeah, some people say that, like... But isn't that just wrong for angels to have sex with... Random, they didn't get married. Isn't that in the Bible, too? Well, and see, so that's where people are saying, wait a minute, maybe it doesn't mean that. Maybe it means that these what are else the sons of Seth. Oh, oh Again, but, but why would they say from heaven, then? Well, yeah, there's, that's, that's weird. That's where it's controversial. Yeah, that's weird. It's controversial, and nobody has a good answer to it. But, you know, if you want to describe, like, in, or aliens, you know, gosh, I mean, that that's... A, about as close as you can get to any. But those would be on Earth. Yeah, and so they existed on Earth. And so uh, other people say, well, that's why God had to destroy the world or destroy, you know, humanity because it was tainted, it was was messed up, it was destructive, it was was a terrible place to live. It was like living in hell, maybe you could say. So So he flooded it. There was no meteor. Yeah, he brought judgment because he was so, he was so frustrated over what, had resulted, you know, sin had just taken a turn for the worse and things were, um, things were to the point where, uh, they couldn't be brought back to so health. There was no, um, when, when was the, um, the, yeah, it was after the tower of Babel's after. So yeah. he, did he throw pe- like 
Like, how did how did he get people all across the world, and then having them all speak different? Like, I don't even, I don't understand that. Yeah, that's. I mean, you've read the story of the Tower of Babel. That's what you're referring to. Yeah, I, I, when they're trying to build up the heaven or whatever. Yeah. So you know, I mean, some people say that you know that society had advanced very quickly because they all spoke one language and they had a unifying purpose, and so, um, so, you know that's the story of the Tower of Babel and, you know, they come together and they're trying to build a tower to heaven and, you know, we don't really exactly know what that is, but, you know, it's some sort of advanced society. Perhaps you could say a, uh, what was that movie? Uh, Wakanda or... <laughs> Black Panther. It was like Wakanda. Black Panther. Um, yeah, yeah, except in Genesis. So, uh, yeah, so God, you know, God wanted to apparently, you know, limit their power and ability for some reason. Um, and, and so it says that he divided them and that they, you know, and, it, and I think as a natural result from that, you know, if you couldn't speak a language with another person and, you know, it was all of a sudden that was a thing. Yeah. When, it was, when it used to be that you could communicate with everybody, that would be confusing. Yeah. And so people, you know, how did their, their skin colors, how did their skin colors change? Were we all the same at the beginning, or did he make everybody different? Because if I you all come from Adam and Eve, who, in my opinion, were Middle Eastern people, right? Because, you know, it takes place in that area. Yeah, probably. I don't think anybody in the Bible was ever white. Just saying. I don't think there's a think, single white person in I the think, Bible. I think, I mean, you look at a, I don't know, I'm not a DNA expert, but from what I know of DNA, you know, you look at the, the a human being who's dark-colored skin or a human being who's light-colored skin, and, and you look at the differences between them, you know, the DNA, it's just very, very small difference, yeah. right? I mean, minute, right? And so, you know, perhaps you could say that, you know, I think this is the, the reason why they live so long. I think it was the reason why, um, why you, could, uh, you could have a sister for a wife and not yeah. have babies Strange. that came out. Yeah, yeah. But their uh, skin, all but sorts their of skin colors. It's like well, you have so what, Africa, but what I'm Asian saying is that maybe contained within their DNA was all the skin colors, right? And so as they kind of began to separate themselves into people groups, you know, perhaps even at that moment of Tower of Babel, right? There was people that separated based off of language, and those families that spoke certain languages had a certain DNA structure, yeah. and as they bred with each other, all these people that spoke the same language, you know, and maybe. That's where the races came from. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's complicated. You know, I mean, I think that regardless of if you're a creationist or an evolutionist, regardless, you know, it all began with, with one, one uh, group of humans. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, the it's races right. formed and developed over time. Yeah. And, We're all the same. You know, regardless of whether you believe a story like Tower of Babel or you believe in, you know, Cro-Magnon Man. I don't know. I would say the Babel would probably be the one. So, I, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, the other thing is... It's in the Bible. Yeah. It's <laughs> in the Bible. So, I mean, I'd have to, I guess, believe it. I mean, so are a lot of things that I'm like, mm, about, like the, what, Nephilim? What, what are the they called? Nephilim. Oh, so scary. That um, is scary. So, final thing. I guess I probably I probably have like hundreds of more questions, but I guess we can always do it again. Oh my gosh, we should do a second episode. Probably have a few <laughs> more episodes, but yes. Final thing for this episode, um, it just came to my head. So, heaven, 
you and I have talked about it, and I asked, you know, because people say, you know, thanks to the man upstairs and this and that, and you know, Jesus rose up into the clouds or whatever. Mm. Is it, it, heaven is supposed to be, is it heaven is somewhere else right now, and then when judgment day comes, it'll be a new earth? It will be on earth? Yeah, you, so I'll read you the passage, because I think, I don't think you and I have ever read it together. No, I don't think uh, I have. Just talked about it. It's but. in Revelation, I think it's 21. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I I personally believe that when we think about heaven, it's best to think of it as another dimension, right? So, but you, you know, can't you can't find it we now. De- we describe it as up because um, I don't know. I think there's just this tradition, right, that the spirit rises up and, and hell is down. down you look up the at the heavens, right, and yeah. uh, it's beyond. You know, the earth is down and hell is down and heaven is up. And, you know, that's just kind of the way that we've seen it. But um, and so, you know, even the Bible will describe it that way. It doesn't mean that that's true. Scientifically speaking, it's just the way that people perceive things. Right. Yeah. So it's another dimension. Like we couldn't go up and find any any proof. No. Yeah. So here's the passage that I was referring to that I talked about with you before. um, And this is in near the end of Revelation, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So, again, you know, down, but that doesn't necessarily mean that heaven's up. It's just the way that we perceive it, right? So, Right. uh, So it's coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them. And I think that's an interesting thing to think about that heaven comes down to earth in a sense. No you oceans? Know, this, this new heaven. Well, I mean, it's a, there's no sea? Yeah, the sea had it's passed weird. away. Yeah, there's, again, I mean, it's, I think the best way to look at it is to say that somehow what John is describing is that the mm-hmm. way that the way that this world and everything that we know and everything we see, the structures of social structures, the governments, all these things, you know, they pass away or cease to exist the way that they did. Yeah. And there's a new heaven, you know, the kingdom of God, a new dimension, a new way of being and living. Um, so the heaven that God's in right now would be different from the one to where everyone's judgment comes down to earth. Is it different? Yeah, I think it's radically different. I think it's the difference between heaven and what we're experiencing now. You know, when when Jesus says he's preparing a place for us, I think that that's what's talking about. There's this this kingdom of heaven. And I mean, the the confusing thing is kingdom of heaven is here, right? So that's where the dimension thing. Yeah, dimensions just mess with my brain, dude. I I can't deal with it. I don't think human beings can even... Comprehend so. it, but you know, so heaven comes down to earth, and I think, and that's why for me, it's like I, I just don't think that when people think of heaven being up on a cloud playing a harp or, you know, some, you know, I don't know. Is there any talk about like specifics in heaven? Like, is there oh, any absolutely. details? Like, yeah, absolutely. So it describes animals, it describes rivers, it describes mountains and feasts. So we're eating, you know. So that's why I always say, you know. Um, it's, it's heaven is, it's a new heavens and a new earth. And, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's something about what we experience now that continues on. Absolutely. Would be, would I be my age (laughs) or would you be my age or what? 
all these impossible questions. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, would we be eternally 28 years old? Or, <laughs> Maybe uh, so. Yeah, you know, I think it's what, 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 we, what we can parse from what the scriptures teach is that we will, we will have uh, incorruptible bodies, which I think speaks to sin, but also speaks to sickness and death. Yeah. There's no sickness. There's no death. No, it's not. You know, so. Isn't that crazy to think about? You can't die. Are you, I mean, you, you're, it, it sounds like bad because, you know, I don't know how amazing it is and I don't think I ever will till hopefully I get there, but it's like, <laughs> you, there's no ending ever, you know? Isn't that weird? There's, it hurts my brain to think about, like, there's legitimately no ending to to heaven. That's why I'm kind of, I always freak out about that and I always ask weird questions like, you know, will I run out of things to do? I mean, it's it's just earth. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to be there forever. I'm going to see everything probably sometime. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, uh, you know, when we think that God is, um, that God is uh, eternal and that there's no, um, you know, just that, I, I mean, I think that in so many ways, uh, there's just an endless amount of possibilities and endless new beginnings, and uh, God is inexhaustible. He's, you know, he's he's eternal, and so, you know, for us, it's like trying to trying to consider how we could ever run out of something to do. I just, I, you know, I mean, any it, when in a world where anything's possible, um, do you think then, we're gonna know things that nobody else really knew? When we're up there, like, do you think that every secret yeah. oh, will be yeah. unveiled, or do you think we just wouldn't care? That's certainly the way you know the scriptures describe it that uh, that we will uh, see him and we will be as he is, you know. And so there's something of of who God had originally intended intended for us. You know, if we were created in God's image, then you know it doesn't mean that we become God, but you know we become like him. Yeah. And so, you know, I think along with that becomes knowledge, comes um, power, comes all sorts of things. That's crazy. You know, it is crazy to think about, you know. So, okay, so why, why would God make such a big, like, if we're all here, you know, why would he make the universe, which I think goes forever, you know, planets, galaxies, all that stuff. Like, why is there so much crap out there if we can't even barely get off the surface of our Earth? Like, you know, go see the moon or something. Why not, right? I mean, it's like, it, you know, I think it's it speaks to the inf- infinite. That's, that's the word I was looking for earlier. God is infinite, right? And so if he's infinite and our universe is infinite, um, in, in that it just continues expanding. It's crazy. You know, but if God is infinite, yeah, there's, we can't exhaust all the things that he knows and there's, it just goes on and on and on. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it would make sense, right? That an infinite God would create an infinite universe and then, you know, why not? I mean, if you, if you don't want to uh, be ever get bored (laughs) or ever come to an end of something to do, I guess so. Then it's good to to have infinite qualities. Yeah. So last question, why is, is there, like, why is there a, and what justifies him for not coming back? Like, you know, it, I mean, why is there a wait for the judgment day? Like, what do we, what do we, you know, is there a specific thing that he's going to be like, okay, now I'm going to come back to earth. Now I'm going to judge everybody, this and that, you know? Yeah. I mean, 
you know, again, I mean, the classic answer to that has been God's patient and he doesn't want anybody to perish. And so the, the more people who are born, the more um, longer time goes on, the more people will be included in, in eternity. And so, uh, you know, people say that that's why, you know, they, that God is, is populating a family for heaven. I mean, do you think we would probably know because they're supposed to be like an antichrist? bad guy to come and fool us all. I mean, how would we fall for that? <laughs> he's in obvious. It says he's going to like make everybody, th- you know, what is it? He's supposed to be a great dude. And wouldn't somebody be like, Hey, I don't know. I mean, I mean, is that I, actually a big issue in the Bible? I, I think we are going to fall for it. And I'll tell you why, <laughs> because I've heard some people say that Obama was the antichrist. And I've heard some people say that Trump was the antichrist. <laughs> and, and so, you know, if we're that confused about who the antichrist is, That's then, true. Gosh, I mean. But what is the Antichrist supposed to, like, is that, like, I, I've totally forgot that was, like, a part of the, the whole story. Is there supposed to be somebody that's going to come down to Earth or as a be born, whatever? And, like, what what's the goal of that person? Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like there is going to be, you know, and it's, it's a, the, that person is going to, at the culmination of all things, seek to deceive as many people as possible um, away from... Christ, and so um, they will essentially present themselves as a savior in and of themselves, and and so distract people from putting their faith in Christ, or deceive people who maybe have. So, and then you think the judgment day will happen, and those people will be separated from the people who. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say how effective the antichrist will be. You know, but you, so, but you think that's going to be a trigger for kind of. Jesus coming back because oh yeah yeah that's definitely seems to be the way that it's described, um, yeah, hmm. I mean it's interesting. Know, it seems to be the progression of things. I don't, I don't really take Revelation to be, uh, I don't. I think it's dangerous to take it too literally. Yeah, you, you think know? it's more parable kind of? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. But, but you think a lot of the things are real. I mean, they wouldn't just put random parables in for no reason. Parables mean something. Yeah, parables mean something, right? So, I mean, is the parable of the parable of the lost son true? Well, it's not a true story. It's kind of a wild and crazy story. But God loves us like that and forgives us like that. And so it's true in that way. You know, so but again, you know, it's like you got being able to parse out truth from a story is is a very different ball game than just kind of, yeah. you know, and I think that Revelation is that tricky to parse out, if not more so. I mean, what is a dragon with ten horns? Is there, you know, are we really going to be in some sort of end times Game oh, of Thrones scenario? Maybe. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe, I, don't think, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, sure. Know, crazy I, I don't things think happen. so. So I'm just saying, you know, it's like people who try to take the Bible literally or or yeah, well, even people that say that the Bible has no errors, it's kind of a silly thing to say because people have errors in interpreting. So yeah. it's important to to see the Bible as authoritative and and, uh, and inspirational. Um, but to say it has no errors, you know, it's like, well, that's that's fine and good, but you have errors in the way yeah. that you interpret it, and so it's it's kind of a it's not really the hill to die on, I guess you could say. No, yeah, but. It's a lot of stuff. Crazy. I guess Man. I, the, you know, maybe Trump's the Antichrist. I would not be surprised. <laughs> you never know. I mean, yeah. there's, yeah, him. I don't know. There's a few people that I would 
top of my list. Honestly. You better be careful, man. The alt right might come after you yeah, in your podcast. Oh my yeah. gosh, that'd be scary, so, wouldn't it? Yeah, I didn't know yeah. about Trump, man. He's yeah. oh, nobody does. I especially, I don't know. He's a confusing character, strange guy. But yeah. maybe he is. Maybe we're maybe we're right. Well, he I'll, I'll tell you first. this. I'll tell you this one thing. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a president or a world leader. Who it would have to because they have the most influence. Yeah. Seems seems Bill like Gates. A, Bill Gates is the Antichrist. <laughs> I would really not be surprised at that one either. Billy, Billy, we, we've been living ten miles from him our whole lives. So scary, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody big, you know. That, that's why I was confused. Like, how would we fall for it if you know if he's supposed to be all deceiving? Like, but at the same time, there's so many people that I'm like look up to, and I'm like, wait, they could totally be it. You don't know, but so you don't trust anybody. You shouldn't, but especially not Trump. Yeah, you're right about that. He's probably, he could probably be it. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he's, he's he would be on my short list. The way he was holding that Bible, he's been a little scared yeah. of it. A little scared of it. A little, that was a little that freaky. Was real, that was just for show. That oh, was, for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh, that was awful. He, that was really bad. That was really bad. That's one he's thing that I'm certain of that he yeah. likes to pander to certain mm-hmm. groups of people. But you know, it's like. I don't know. There's a lot of Christian people that believe he's done a lot of good things, and you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, he's done a lot of bad things. I think that's obvious too. Yeah, very obvious. But either way, we have to just be on the lookout, I guess. But you know, it's whatever. Well, I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, man. Uh, it's awesome. One of your uh, yeah. first guests. For, no, my first guest. Yeah, you're, well, you are your first guest. I, I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you. You'll probably be on again. I'll probably. I have to stop myself from asking you, oh, Jay, I forgot. Next time I'm over, I'll, I'll be like, you know what? I'll just write it down and then have you in again sometime. But, yeah, we're uh, we as in me because nobody else is on my team yet are excited to have you on because you're the reason I did this. I mean, uh, Have you decided on a name for this podcast? Locks Talks. Locks Talks. Didn't you give me that name? No, Josiah. Decided. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but I didn't want to say like L-A-C-H-S because people think it's yeah, latches. Yeah. So it's no, I like it. L-O-X-T-O-X. I'm going to have the, Locks the L-O-X and then the T coming down. So it's like Ooh. across, you know? A little we're, talking about lo- we're talking logos. It's logos, yeah. It's going to cost me a little bit of money, but, you know. I wonder how many people in your generation are going to be starting podcasts just because of how popular it's gotten. It's gotten really popular. Yeah. And not only that, but it's not like this is the first time I've done uh, something like this in this kind of a format. And... Uh, having a long conversation with somebody, when do you do that these days? Not, especially not in person. I mean, you and I have always had these little 10 minute, 10, 20 minute things, with the, you know, in and out of whatever else we're doing. But like, it's actually kind of nice just to is. sit down and kind of finish this conversation. Especially without distractions besides the people talking out there. But like, essentially a lot of the long conversations would be on the phone or texting somebody, you know, especially nowadays, especially with my age, I mean, my yeah, generation. Well, if you've got a girlfriend and you're on the oh, phone with her for two no. hours. That's, yeah, essentially what I'm saying is people don't kind of get uncomfortable sitting and talking for after a while, in my opinion, in my age. They kind of need to you know, get on their phones or something like that. So this is exactly why I want to do it because every time we talk 20 minutes in, you know, hey, we're going to do this and this, and then it would be like, oh. So. Yeah, it forces you to kind of get through, uh, yeah, get through all the things you've been thinking about. You know, it's like, People say a lot about uh, uh, we just we just don't think like we used to. Like for instance, the the reason why writing is so important in school is so that you can put your thoughts down on paper and really yeah. think through a problem, yeah. right? I mean that's the purpose of writing, right? Writing helps us to think and to solve something, you know. And 
And so a conversation in a similar way, we, we talk until we resolve some yeah. questions or issues that we have and we suggest theories and, and we both get stronger and smarter because of it. Um, but, you know, if you think about it, in a world in which we don't take the time to have conversations or to write, what is that going to do to our ability, our cognitive ability? Not help it at all, make it worse? Yeah, I mean, I think philosophy and things like... Um, I, well, I just think that our 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 society is getting stupider. Oh, you're getting worse. It's getting stupider, <laughs> and it's going to get worse. And right, worse. It's not getting anywhere better. Yeah, I mean so. things like TikTok and. Yeah. I, I hope mean, they ban it. I'm <laughs> having I'm having Duncan in next. I know that's right. So that's right. that'll be great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think TikTok's no, yeah. awesome. You know, especially but, for people that are making good money and enjoying it. Like, well, yeah, all that's that great. stuff. I mean, I'm not. A, I I don't hate social media. I think social media is I mean, either great. But I it's just kind of taking a grasp on the people. way that it the way that it eats at our souls is concerning. Mm-hmm. I don't have. I have. You know, uh, for me, it's I might get Instagram once every three days. Yeah, um, might get Snapchat. I, I normally have Snapchat. That's my biggest thing. Um, but for me, it's like I can't stay on social media over, you know, I would, like I said, I got Instagram last night for the first time in like three days just to, you know, just go check my feed, delete it for another couple of days. Because like, I can't, like, I know it, like, it makes me feel bad about myself sitting there and taking, and it's not bad, right? I mean, it's not bad. Like, I'm not going to say, you know, to dunk it out, you know, it's stupid that you're doing this because it's great. It's awesome. But you're right. Our generation is just getting so sucked into not having conversations, not wanting to do this and that. And like, you know, it's just not, things don't seem like real and like to me anymore. You just kind of, everything's. Yeah. You know, it's like concerning. It. For it's sure. not good. Yeah. It's yeah. concerning. So, but this is, it's great to have these conversations, especially when I'm curious, you know? Yeah. I want to have these 10 minute little chit chats. Good. I, forget about yeah. It. yeah. I'm excited for your, your journey yeah. and this podcasting. I think it'd be good for you. Yeah. And I hope to have you on again. I hope to have, many more people on multiple times because I know there's hopefully some people will come on. I don't know. There's some people that I'm afraid if I ask, they'll be like, no, but locks, talks, locks, talks.